0: This is KOOP HD1 HD3 Hornsby. Austin Chronicle Show. My name is Kim Jones and I am the editor of the Austin Chronicle, Austin's independent source of news and culture reporting since 1981. This week, we're double dosing on culture, taking a look at two art exhibits opening in Austin this weekend, and they're grounded in the kind of art forms that used to be looked down upon from, I don't know, the heights of Art Mount Olympus. Uh, Later in the program, my colleague Rachel Rasko will be speaking with music poster designer Billy Buck. But first up, I am chatting with Austin graffiti artist Sloke One, who has put together a retrospective for the Mexican-American Cultural Center called Piecing It Together, Austin Graffiti Art from 1984 to 2004. Thanks so so much for joining me, Sloke. Thank you very much for having me. Sure. So before we get into this this new show that's opening Friday, uh, give us the background, sort of your own experiences within the art scene here.
1: Well, um, I started doing graffiti in Austin in 1990, and I had been tagging back in the late 80s through skateboarding, but I always wanted to learn the art form of piecing, you know, the colorful letters and And um, short for masterpieces. And I grew up looking at the work of artists such as Scam and Rage and Tanner and Sec, who were already first-generation Austin graffiti artists. But back then, it was really hard to break into the circle. You know, if you weren't in that group, you just weren't getting in. And in 1990, I met Al Martinez, whose moniker was Scam, Supreme King Al Martinez. That's what it stood for. And he showed me the basics of how to create a graffiti piece once, and I 've been doing it ever since. Unfortunately, we lost Al in 1994, but his legacy lives on with artists such as myself and many others. And so about a year ago, I was contacted by the Mac, the Mexican American Cultural Center, about the possibility of doing an art exhibit uh, at the upstairs gallery, the same Coronado gallery. and I just thought, you know, this is the time, this is the place. As this city continues to change and grow, and when you have, like, for instance, the popularity, the the popularity of murals and street art, all of that came from graffiti art.
0: You Can know? I let's dig into that a little bit because I think a lot of us, including me, don't really know what are the distinctions between graffiti art, street art, and murals.
1: Exactly. Um, Street art is a label that has kind of been placed on all the urban art type forms, stenciling, weed paste, stickers, anything done with a spray can. T- to keep it simple, graffiti is more about a name and letter and style. Your name, of course, is ref- and the way you paint it is a reflection of your style, the techniques, et cetera. Street art in the beginning was more stickers, weed paste, stencils. Now it has kind of morphed into more of a muralism where you're now seeing these large scale murals on the side of buildings, whether they're portraits or maybe graphic design elements, etc. All of those have its roots in graffiti art. I like I always say graffiti graffiti art or graffiti is the mothership. And from it came all these other forms of art. That's not to say that the lines don't get blurred at times. Mm -hmm. But these days, it's just kind of thrown under the term street art. Okay. Um, You know, there was a time 10 years ago in Austin where you wouldn't use the G word. You wouldn't say I'm a graffiti artist or I'm a graffiti writer. You know, sure. because, the word, yeah. because the word graffiti just had a negative connotation to mm-hmm. it. You know, you were either a thug or a gangbanger or something of that sort. And now with the popularity of street art and graffiti to some extent, it's become more accepted. And I think that's like anything that's underground for a long time and then becomes mainstream. Because graffiti art is never going to go away. You know, people have been leaving their marks on surfaces since the beginning of time. Now, a lot of that has like I said, is morphed into the mural scene that we see in Austin today. Now, that's not discounting the Chicano artists of the 70s on the east side and the uh, Cosmic Cowboy scene of the 70s. You know, Tommy B, Carry On, all those. All those were like the OGs of the mural scene. But when I'm referring to muralism today, I mean being done with a spray can. Because back then, when I started, if you had a spray can, it was because you were doing graffiti. And so times have changed like they always do and so it's really interesting now to see where we are at with these art forms but I always tell people graffiti letter-based as street art is going to be more icons you know like think of Shepard Fairey you know he took the uh, Andre the giant icon and just mm-hmm. reproduced it over and over and and I also think like street art t- tends to resonate more with the, the public because it's easier to understand You know, it's either a portrait or a message or an icon. As with graffiti, they're usually like, what does that say, what does it mean? It's beautiful, I like it, but I don't know what it means. You know, and it's it's just, it's nature of the game.
0: Okay. well, you're you've curated this show, but you are you're 100 percent. You've been in this scene um, for for decades. Can you talk a little bit about your evolution as an artist? Sure. I've been drawing ever since I was a kid. My father
1: was an artist, so I kind of tried to copy whatever he did. He came from a long line of artists. Um, Skateboarding. I started skateboarding at a very young age and I was always drawn to art because, you know, skateboarding and art go hand in hand, Uh along with punk rock music and all that other stuff and hip hop. And I just remember like seeing Beach Street for the first time. I, I think it was like eighty three, eighty four. I was in fifth grade at the time. And I just saw the graffiti on the subway cars mm-hmm. and I was like, that's what I wanna do. But I'm from Austin, I grew up here, you know, like there ain't no subways or <laughs> sure. anything like that. So the closest thing I had was seeing the artwork done by artists such as Scam and Rage in the first generation. And so it was just like How do I get into this? You know, like, you know, Austin was very different back then. You know, I I grew up on the west side. They were from the east and south side. You know, there was it was definitely divisions. And that's why I always I'm grateful for Al that he took a chance on me and another writer that wrote the name Dice from the west side to pass it on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's where it all kind of started, you know? And then, I, you know, after high school, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I took a year off to work. I thought I was going to go to art school. And I just, I ended up in San Francisco and, for a couple years. And then I just, I was just painting on the streets, you know, because that's how I learned. I learned from the streets. I, I didn't learn from legal laws or anything like that. So I did the streets for a long time. And of course, when you do the streets, there's consequences that come with it. And so after... You know going to jail for the third time and doing time for graffiti i was like how am i going to make this work Mm -hmm. you know because all i ever did in jail was draw envelopes for commissary anyway so i knew i wasn't going to stop you know what i mean yeah and so that's where kind of around 2000 i started to make the shift to doing it more uh kind of going more of the mural route uh more of seeking permission to do it and it, from there, it just continued on into a, a full-scale career of doing art, you know. Um, I do other types of art, but graffiti is my foundation. You know, graffiti is m- my first and true love.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you, has mentoring been important to you?
1: Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I mentor uh, men and women, uh, all ages. Um, I've taught to the city of Austin. I've taught to the Dougherty. I've taught to the Mac. I think it's important to pass on these customs and traditions of the culture. Because I come from the culture aspect of it. I don't come from the public aspect of it. Big difference. So you see, we never did it for the public. We did it for us. And 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 the, we became accustomed to the public not liking what we did, understandably, <laughs> but we kept doing it because we loved it and we believed in what we were doing. And we never thought that it would become what it is today sure and that's where i think a lot of like if you fast forward even though there are differences between the graffiti art culture and the street art culture we're here now and none of us ever thought we'd be at this place like you know i never thought for instance being at castle hill when it was around that you'd see families come out and with spray cans and markup surfaces, mm-hmm. but just goes to show you, everybody likes to tag stuff, you know what I mean? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's fun. Is that bittersweet at all, to, going from being sort of punk rock outsider artists to being uh, more, I don't know, mainstream approved?
1: As an artist, I've struggled with that because mm-hmm. I was rooted in those traditions of the culture. And I always say I have my art and I have my art jobs. And for me, that's two different things. And sometimes I do get paid to do graffiti art, Mm -hmm. but as an artist, of course, you have to be flexible. Yes, I've struggled with that at times, but I also, I can't be that old man kicking the can down the road, you know, things change. And to sum it all up, I try to look at the big picture of things and you got young adults, young people doing art. And what's wrong with that? No matter what style of art they do. Mm -hmm. So yes, mentorship, passing on is crucial. Because how can you expect something from someone if they don't know? Well, even if they do know, you shouldn't expect anything. But still, you know, it's like it's education. And so that's kind of where I never thought I would be in this place. But it's more about educating and passing it on to see what the next generation does with the art form.
0: Absolutely. Well, there's going to be a lot of inspiration for people to see at the this exhibit, which opens at the MAC, I should say, today, Friday. Um, and runs, I think, through like, March, March, right? March 23rd. Okay. Yep. Uh, what what can listeners expect to see at the exhibit? Well, uh, at the exhibit,
1: we I sent the invitation out to a lot of artists. The exhibit is really a snapshot on the first twenty years of Austin graffiti art. So what I did is I got a handful of artists from each generation: first, second, third generation. The eighties, nineties, and the two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm second generation. I started in ninety. So. I fall under that generation, um, and with our crew, MBK, No Boundaries crew that St. and I started back in 94, there's, the crew had a big impact on the city and around the state, um, and so, of course, there's a focus on that. But we wanted to really give credit to the first generation, especially Al Martinez, because Al Martinez is pretty much credited as being the godfather of Austin Graffiti art. You know, I mean, he was, man, he was an amazing writer. You know, he's just a good person. And um, I want to honor my friend and my mentor, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And so we wanted to give a snapshot into the first 20 years because these 20 years built the scene that we see today. And a lot of people don't know that. And it's not coming at it it's coming from an educational standpoint. It's also coming from a place of showcasing these artists' work. So what I did is I had all the artists paint on big panels instead of canvases. And some people, oh, graffiti in a gallery, whoa. will give them a panel and see what they do, right? Because, you know, we like to paint big. So I had them painting on panels. So we have artwork, we have photography, we have a whole wall dedicated with the artwork of Al Martinez, um, that was very important to me that we honor and tr- give a proper tribute to him. Um, we have photography slideshow. Um, it's just, it's, it's, I'm very happy with the way it has all played out because everybody pitching in to make this happen. I'm curating it, but it ain't my show. It's the community show.
0: Uh, that sounds really terrific. I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, if our listeners are interested in getting a kind of a sneak preview of it, if you pick up this week's Austin Chronicle, uh, it's on the cover. And we've got lots of archival images in there that'll give you just a feel for what a what a really special show this is. So, so uh we're out of time. But thank you so much for coming. in. this has been really, really fascinating. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, we're going to take a quick break for some station announcements. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Austin Chronicle Show. We're in the studios of Co-op Community Radio, 91.7 FM in Austin, and live streaming through koop.org. I'm your host, Kim Jones, editor of the Austin Chronicle. This week, we're taking a closer look at art exhibits opening in Austin this weekend. We started with graffiti art, and now we are moving to gig poster art. And I'm going to move out of the way and let my colleague, Faster Than Sound columnist Rachel Rasko, take the reins. Rachel, the mic is yours.
2: Thanks, Kim. Well, I'm here with Billy Buck, and this week in my column, I got to feature her and her upcoming um, concert poster show at the Austin Museum of Popular Culture, which opens this Sunday. And Billy's posters have um, been featured at venues all around town, including like Antones, Mohawk, Hotel Vegas, and so many others. So, how are you doing, Billy? I'm so good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, this. Um, exhibit kind of like wraps up your whole artistic career that we were talking about. I guess for people who maybe don't know your art, what are some of the kind of themes and characters that have shown up a lot and that you just love to draw?
3: So um, a lot of my art centers around kind of the far out and psychedelic realms um, and a lot of the central characters that you'll see featured are a lot of strong powerful women, a lot of um, disembodied cat figures <laughs> and kind of, you know, like a cartoon style Betty Boop characters and things like that so you know it, it ranges from the real and the here and the now to the what am I looking at oh my god <laughs>
2: <laughs> I would agree with that yeah I mean I really like the way that you kind of have found out ways to depict women in like very different scenes I guess how did you kind of develop that style of
3: putting that emotion on the page? Um, well, you know, I've always been really inspired by um, the Fillmore San Francisco posters. But in growing up and studying them, I would notice that um, women's bodies were kind of just used as a decoration. You know, they were just stuck on and it's pretty, it's beautiful, but they didn't really have a story. They didn't have their own um, you know, job in the posters. So I like to kind of take that idea, but um, give it a more potent twist to where, um, you know, you can really tell that this woman is in charge. She is the central focal point, but she's not just uh, decoupaged on there.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I I love the different scenes that, that Constance developed. Like, chain smoking, (laughs) eating, motorcycle riding, lots of different fun activities. So yeah, well, um, your exhibit is called Hot Soup, which I would mention again is opening this Sunday at the Austin Museum of Popular Culture. And this will be only the second exhibit at their new location behind Threadgills on North Lamar. They were previously located for many years in South Austin, and they've since dropped that little South mention from their name. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I know you said on Sunday, along with some posters, there's gonna be some other kind of interactive stuff going on, Um, do you wanna talk a little bit about any of those things?
3: Yeah, um, so this exhibit is so special to me because not only is it my first kind of um, compendium of my work, but um, there'll be music by my dad's band. My dad and stepmom, even the exiles, are going to be playing. And I'll also have some fun interactive things. Um, I'm going to set up my kind of crazy world of Billy Buck. I'll have my desk that I draw all my posters on, kind of in a little um, walk-in interactive room. And I'm also going to have a bunch of my originals in a kind of DIY coloring book station, so you'll actually be able to pick up some of the originals. You may um, see one from your poster that I've done for so many people across the city. So you'll be able to come through and look through all my originals from the past five years or so. So it's going to be really fun and really special and I'm just so excited.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and I also wanted to mention that you recently made the poster for the upcoming Austin Music Awards, and you are a two-time winner for the Best Poster Artist category, and you're also up to defend that title in the poll that is currently open Yes, I am. Online. Thank you for
3: reminding me. Yes,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think you can do it. Yeah. No. <laughs> and that poll closes um, this upcoming Tuesday, so that's available oh, wow. to that's so vote for Billy or all the other nominees at Austin.
0: If I may insert myself, Rachel yes. is also oh, a, yes, a nominee, yes. and you can also <laughs> vote for Rachel.
2: Yes, <laughs> I'm in the music journalist category. <laughs>
0: And yeah. Co-op FM is also on Oh my god. Yes, is also a finalist. So. Yes. Okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, Back to thank that. you, Kim. Yes. I, I
2: need I need the promo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So I mean, you designed a really beautiful poster for the Austin awesome Music thank Awards. You. I guess maybe a little bit about your process or was there any inspirations behind that specific scene? Yeah, there?
3: I was I was really honored that they um, asked me to do the the poster and so you know I'm kind of I was kind of trying to think um, Austin is changing so much all the time. so I wanted to kind of fuse the past with the present in a positive way. So on the poster you'll see um, a woman leaning against her guitar case and there's a bunch of stickers from uh, bygone clubs like Club Foot, Armadillo World Headquarters, Soap Creek, etc but she's looking out onto the skyline of new austin which i'm sure you know looks very different than it did when those clubs were around so you know she's she's supposed to look hopeful and optimistic about the future but while also remembering the past which is what i try and do in all my work so
2: no i love that she's i like the hopefulness she's not um crying into her scrapbook she's about, not complaining yeah. on facebook <laughs> <Yes>. Are... <laughs> about the loss Yeah, but absolutely. I mean, I guess, yeah, in terms of that, um, it's hard to talk about the Austin Museum of Popular Culture without mentioning the Armadillo World Headquarters because that has kind of been one of their main things is displaying that rich legacy of poster artists. I guess growing up here, did any of those kind of group of artists influence you, or how did that kind of make its way into your brain?
3: Yeah, I I don't think any of us would be here if the Armadillo hadn't been around. You know, they were the first people to just kind of accept all walks of life, the freaks, the hippies, the cowboys, and get everyone together just for the sake of music and among other things, <laughs> drinking and smoking pot. Um, but, you know, I just, we would, none of us would be here without it. And those artists that um, contributed to that, uh, the poster boys, as they call them, Jim Franklin, et cetera, are just a huge influence to me. And, you know, kind of my um, my art history is, I study them, you know, The greats are great, but it's the poster boys that really, really do it for me.
2: Yeah, they really vibe with you across Mm -hmm. the wealth of poster history. Well, yeah, I mean, in terms of letting your freakier flag fly, (laughs) I have to also mention that Billy plays in an excellent band called Sailor Poon. Who has all is also up for an Austin Music Award for Best Punk Band, AMA Bro. nominees everywhere today. <laughs> yeah, so I mean you were telling me that the band merchandise and posters for Sailor Poon have let you kind of unleash some of your different ideas. What have some of those Sailor Poon visuals been like throughout time?
3: <laughs> yeah, well so yes, I have this band where I'm able to put my art out to a captive audience whether they want it or not. So, you know. Um, As in your column, which was so great today, thank you so much for the (laughs) write-up, you mentioned the six-boobed turkey. Um, So that was a Thanksgiving poster, you know, wholesome Thanksgiving stuff. Yeah. And um, let's see, we've had um, a cow breastfeeding a bunch of chickens which is totally how it works, pretty sure. Yeah, on the farm. (laughs) On the farm, et cetera. Um, We've had a woman who doubles as a mustard dispenser, if that gives you any kind of visuals. Okay, I'll
2: have to find that one.
3: Uh, So yeah, it's great, because I can literally do whatever I want, and people have to look at it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, they want to look at it. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. well, I also liked your, your exhibit is called Hot Soup. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess what is kind of the origins between behind that little phrase for you?
3: So Hot Soup was a failed performance art piece. Um, I had another band that was a a Sailor Poon side project called The Sister Rays. It was a great band. Um, But one day... We decided that for one song, we would all switch instruments and play a song that we wrote in about five minutes called Hot Soup. <laughs> so we get on stage, we play our set, it goes great, and then we all get up and switch, and the song's supposed to start. I, I'm up in the front and I go, a one, two, three, hot soup, wow! Boom, 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 But the band never started, so I'm up there just yelling, hot soup, hot soup, into the microphone, and nothing is happening. It was very avant-garde. Okay. (laughs) So um, I thought this show would be a good way to redeem that title because I think it just sums up so well kind of the whole process of how I got here and everything that went into this hot boiling pot of soup. And, yeah, yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, and I actually had a really nice time looking deeper into the Hieronymus Bosch painting, I don't know if that's how you say it, but yeah, yeah, the yeah. tree man in the garden of earthly delights. Yes, that yes, inspired yes. your hot soup show poster.
3: Yeah, so if you look at the hot soup poster, it's um pretty much a direct correlation of that Hieronymus Bosch, which is totally just a hot soup mess of You know weird characters so i kind of just put all of my own characters into that vision and uh yeah you can spend a while looking at both things and notice a lot there's some uh hidden jim franklin references if you if you look at the uh poster
2: absolutely and i did so thank you for that little art history sneaking that in Mm -hmm. billy yeah well billy's uh first concert poster exhibit hot soup opens this sunday at the austin museum of popular culture and it will be on display there up until march 29th so thank you so much philly
0: yes thank you so much for having me And I'm back again just to wrap things up which is to say as Rachel pointed out voting for the Austin Music Awards ends on Tuesday. You can go to austinchronicle.com to uh, cast a ballot and find more information about that uh, as well as the Austin Music Awards and to also see Billy Buck's awesome poster for it. Uh, And while you're in the spirit of voting you also want to make you want to make sure that you are registered to vote in the March primary. Last day to register is February 3rd. Uh, If you're not sure if you're registered you don't know when uh, voting is happening uh, You don't know how to register You can find all the answers at austinchronicle.com Slash elections Thanks to our guests today Nate Nordstrom and Billy Buck Thanks also go to our engineer Evan Hearn And to Rachel Rasco for her excellent interviewing skills And to Kevin Curtin and Jonas Wilson For as ever writing our theme music And for our exit music today We're going to listen to a track uh, From Billy Buck's Sailor Poon This is White Male Meltdown Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
4: like this, never that I'm the most the beautiful thing.